Radio. Stories at the intersection of music and life. Welcome to Music Life Radio. I'm your host, Dan Sauter. Music Life Radio is a free podcast available on iTunes and your interwebs at musicliferadio.com and features interviews and stories about and related to music. Today on the program, we feature Final Curse, thrash metal band out of Charlotte, North Carolina. We listen to Final Curse tell the story of their very first tour, and its trials and tribulations. We also learn about their music, their influences, and what 100% no-bullshit thrash metal means to them. Sit back and enjoy another episode of Music Live Radio. This one entitled, On the Road with Final Curse. Hello everyone, this is Final Curse, thrash metal from Charlotte, North Carolina. I'm Mike Plowman, lead vocals and guitar. From Madison, lead guitar, Bernie, bass, <laughs> and Brendan, drums. And that's Blackwelder, Ortega, and Stagall for those last names, since these guys are so mysterious. Uh, in, in reverse order. order. Yeah, this is Mike, and I was raised in Charlotte, North Carolina my whole life, and everywhere around me, my family members were all listening to Van Halen and Kiss and ACDC, Metallica, so I got into the rock and metal at an early age, and as far as influences go, man, we love it all from... You know, Cannibal Corpse, Metallica, The King Diamond, and stuff like that. Just thrashy bands. And then Madison and I listen to a lot of old outlaw country music and stuff like that. So we get a lot of ideas coming from a different, a lot of different viewpoints and try to put it all in our band. Madison? Yeah, I was raised in a small town in North Carolina. Um, pretty, pretty wooded area. <laughs> I didn't have a lot to do. The boondocks! Yeah. Um, my uh, parents always listen to classic rock. I grew up on the Eagles in Boston and stuff like that. I didn't get into um, music until probably middle school when I first heard Metallica, and uh, I pretty started pretty pretty started <laughs> started. Um, he was pretty pretty. He's pretty. <laughs> Fernie's pretty. I started a chain reaction from there. Got into Megadeth, Slayer, and it got heavier from that. Fern dog. I'm Fernie. Fern dog. Either way, Fernando, and I, I was born and raised in Mexico City. I came to the United States as an illegal immigrant, and uh, I was hired by a band, mariachi band, and I started picking up on the bass, and I really liked it, but I didn't like mariachi. <laughs> I went back to my roots of metal. So, therefore, I picked up on metal, and my best ever influence is Iron Maiden. Ooh. Even if this guy's hate it. I love it. I, I would love say it all. hate is the right word, just not like They it. don't like it. <clears throat> Maiden's got a couple good albums. Anyways, moving on. You're Anything awesome. else for a dog? Uh, I just love metal and I'm I was born to rock. Uh, all yeah. right. Fern dog nice. rocking it out. Brendan? Um I was born in Charlotte at Presbyterian a long time ago. Uh, grew up listening to classic rock on He's 90. Yeah, went to my uh, uncle's, um, well, I, actually my uncle and my cousins um, on that side of my family were all drummers, and uh, that's where I first came into it and wanted to learn more, and um, it just kind of progressed from there. I started off playing classic rock and actually some um, chili peppers and stuff like that, some funk, 
and uh, just got into metal a little bit after that, and uh, it's progressed since there. I love it. I don't want to change it. Um, I want to get better. That's it. In mid to late 2006, myself, Mike, I met Brendan through a mutual friend at a bar. And my first impression of Brendan was not very impressive. He had a striped green and white sweater on, like Mr. Rogers, and strawberry blonde, you know, shoulder length hair. He looked not very metal, to say the least. And so we go. In the middle of the night, it's literally midnight or later, and we drive to the woods in the country into a driveway that's nothing but woods, and we I hear this little tiny sh- sweatered man just rock the drums, and I was pretty amazed. He's the best drummer I'd ever been around, and I was pretty happy and knew right then he was the dude. So fast forward a little of the ways, a good friend of mine, Steven, who was actually in the band until our newest member, Fernie, took his place. He introduced me to Madison and brought him over, and he was... Also the best guitar player I'd ever play with, so that was kind of determined right there. And then there's been many uh, bass player shifts. Would you like to discuss any of them, anyone? Any no, anyone? except for our new bass player, Fernie. He's all awesome. great. <laughs> well then. And he's well, Mexican. And he's an, he's an illegal immigrant. <laughs> he's Mexican. <laughs> he carries the equipment. Yeah, we, we make him do all the slave work, We're, you know, what we don't want to do. He, he makes us feel like rock stars. But uh, yeah, that's it. We we did things, and we had a couple of bass shifts, and we got Steve in the band for the longest time on, on the records and everything, and uh, now Freddie's here to take his place. What does 100% no bullshit thrash metal mean? Well, I thought of that term, I guess, just because at the time we started, there weren't any thrash bands around, and the ones that were quote-unquote thrash were not very much so, so... That's just kind of our mission statement, if you will, that we put it on T-shirts, we put it on our albums, and just that's what we do. You know, there's no, everyone's like, oh, it's a little this, it's a little that. We're just pretty much a thrash band, and we try not to suck too bad. And that's where it stands for me. Madison? For me, it's basically trying to avoid sounding like every other, uh, like Mike said, quote-unquote thrash band out there. I mean, we love the old thrash bands like Creator and Exodus and all those bands, but we don't necessarily want to sound like them. We want to show that we're influenced by them but have our own sound Fern Dog what's that mean to you? it means we are not bullshitting anybody (laughs) we're doing the real deal pure thrash metal just like our mission statement of 100% no bullshit thrash metal what we talked about as a group of guys is what we did and did not want to do as a band so we would look at you know, the the group of bands out there, our peers, as well as huge bands, your locals, regionals, whatever. And we would just see, you know, what was working for people, what wasn't. But then at the same time, we didn't really care. We just kind of had our own vision. And from time to time, you know, we make sure we put guitar solos in every song, you know, with the vocals are mostly clean, you know, just little things to kind of set us apart from the same old thing. That was mainly my particular goal with that. And that's, I think our clean vocals are you know frenetic guitar work and then i think our drummer puts in a lot of the newer school influences in his drumming which meshes well with our older school style of riffing and leading and stuff so it's just a a good mix of think of the new and the old and that is why some people can get fresh with our music 
yeah, getting fresh with it. Brennan? Uh, well, I think what sets us apart from uh, the other music is it's a pretty simple fact that we are different. I think that's what people are influenced by. I think that's why they want to listen to what we have. One thing I try to do is I, I try not to copy anything that I've heard before unless there's a section where we just want to give, you know, pay some homage to a band we like. You might hear a riff in one of our songs, you're like, that sounds like something Slayer would write. Well, we probably did that on purpose, and then every other riff in the song would be completely different and have our own flavor to it. That's things we really focus on doing. Um, as far as my lead guitar playing, I'm, I, I try not to sound like anybody, but I'm sure I, I come across as sounding like Andy LaRock from King Diamond or uh, Chuck Schuldner from Death occasionally. But uh, that's about it. I'd love to challenge someone to find someone that sounded a band that sounded like us. Yeah, I agree. Find a band that sounds like us, and then we will go kill them. <laughs> Music for me is a lot of emotion. Whenever I started playing, I played for a long time at a time every day, and uh, I found myself kind of losing all reality in it and just kind of falling into uh, rhythms and, and the feeling of the whole thing. So uh, that's what I relate to most about it. Um, I really didn't listen to a lot of lyrics at first, so it was mainly musical and melody and rhythm. Mike? Um, for me, music, I, I've been identifying with it for a long time. When I was five years old is when the Metallica live shit box set came out when they were doing that in Mexico City and seeing James Hetfield on that video definitely made me want to be him just a, a singer and a guitar player because I just thought he was so badass and cool and at an early age I also realized the difference in following the crowd or being a free thinker and I noticed that a lot of the music and lyrics especially Metallica, Megadeth, Pantera, lyrics like that were very um, outsider-ish if you will and but just taught you to think for yourself and to be strong so music to me is strength and identifying with yourself and never being ashamed of who you are and what you believe and just standing up for how you look and are and everything and that's it. Music is it is everything, but there's a more descriptive version of that. Madison? Yeah, I'd say the same thing both of these guys already said, but um, I'll add to it a little bit. For me, I know that since I grew up in the woods, there wasn't too much to do, so music kind of gave me something else to do other than sit around and play Mario Kart and Goldeneye all damn day. Uh, so, N64. <laughs> yeah, I still have a Nintendo 64. Atari. Fernie's got an Atari. From Mexico. <laughs> a Mexican Atari. A Mexican Atari. <laughs> El Atari. El Atari. <laughs> so yeah, I would just... Uh, music was a, another thing for me to do and it was a way to escape from uh, things I didn't really like in my life, people at school that were assholes, <laughs> and uh, that's about it. Music, to me, La Musica, is everything. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Bernie, it's, <laughs> music, it's in the question, do not Music, say to me, is like a, it's a universal language. It tells the story anywhere you go, anywhere you're going to be, will tell the story. Music is the best influence anybody can have of doing what you want to do, expressing yourself, express, expressing everything. Got that? 
Good one. And let's just be realistic, it's to pick up chicks. We'll talk about the first record. And we did have a mini EP called what the hell was that even called? Good question. Cursing, <laughs> Constru- Cursing the Deceivers. Perfect. Yeah, 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 hell yeah, there it is. The first EP was called Cursing the Deceivers. It's a really terrible, awful, shitty recording done somewhere in the, the fields of North Carolina. We don't really count that as anything. But our first real record was recorded at Catalyst recording studios in Charlotte, North Carolina with Rob Tavaglione, engineering, handling, actually handled everything on that, right? Engineering, mixing, and mastering. Yeah, right, yeah. Um, so yeah, that Constructing Destructive, that record, I don't remember the year on that. Look at cdbaby.com, it's listed there. But we got that record done and planned on doing a two to three week summer run that year. I'm believing we're either 2009 or 10. We're, God, we're old men, we can't remember anything, but... Uh, supposed to be a show every night, possibly one night off here and there. I know that our first tour date was in Cleveland on July 4th of the year, and so we left late on the 2nd and drove. What, when did we leave? We leave in the we morning? We left at like midnight. Yeah, we left at midnight the night before when we had the show to play the next day. So then we drive straight to Cleveland. We get up there at a place called Peabody's, and it was actually, I'd say, probably, that if not the, the best, best show. show, it was second. It, that, we just, like, shitload of people were there. We were playing with a lot of other bands, a crowded place. It was cool. We're thinking, holy shit, you know, we're rock stars. We got a big, giant crowd to play to our first show. Bad way to start a tour when you get spoiled. First show, 10 hours from home. (laughs) 
So, yeah, we played that show, and... Um, we got pretty drunk after that show, too, I think. <laughs> did, did we? I did. No, I drove. I drove after oh, yeah. that show. Okay, so, yeah, I got drunk. Madison celebrated our first show with getting hammered. <laughs> so, yeah, that's what it is. And then we drove to the next place. We had one more member than band stinking up the van. The Tourette's passenger we took with us who'd never showered. So, and he would just scream out randomly obscenities at people and other things moving by constantly... Never sleeps. You get a little silence, and all of a sudden it's like, fuck you! Just out of nowhere. You just don't know what's going on. So that was fun. We're driving down the road, and this guy pulls up next to us. He's just, like, honking his horn, screaming at us, pointing at our tires. And we're thinking, what the hell? We can see it in the mirror that it's not flat. So we pull over. Yeah, well, the reason the guy was honking the horn at us is because our tire and wheel were on fire because the bearings (laughs) had gone completely out on that side of the trailer. And evidently we were blazing up the highway for who knows how many who knows how many hours <laughs> on fire like Van yeah. Halen dude fucking on fire flames everywhere smoke and uh I remember after we had stopped it took several hours for the damn thing to cool off so that we could try to take the wheel off and figure out what was wrong with it that the axle is just completely disintegrated in the trailer like we're, we're you know hours and hours and hours from home no spare tire nothing to do anything with and it doesn't matter because the tire's not messed up it's the damn axle but anyway it couldn't be fixed where we were we couldn't find anybody to fix it in time for the next date which I think was the next day wasn't it yeah and uh so thank god I have the best family in the world so I called my uncle uh from North Carolina granted we were uh in Pennsylvania which is 12 or 13 hours away not close (laughs) and uh He's got a lot of uh, farm and tractor equipment and stuff, so he drove a big bed trailer up to where we were, thank God for him, and uh, picked our trailer up and took it back home so that we could fix it later. We had to get a U-Haul, and uh, a U-Haul that did not catch fire. Yeah, or fit our van Yeah, very well. It was a pain in the ass and another $400 expense that we did not plan, plus (laughs) having to pay hundreds of dollars to Madison's uncle for the gas and the time and everything. It was just a pain in the ass. A very that blow alone pretty much raped any chance of us making twelve cents on this tour. So that sucked pretty bad. But it, it all got worked out at the end of the day. And we almost sold our trailer to a strange bum in the street for fifty bucks because we were so frustrated. But then we didn't, and I'm glad we didn't. Just for the record. And uh, also, we still have that trailer. Yeah, we do still have that damn trailer. Matter of fact, Madison painted it, and made it look pretty. Uh, moving on, what else did we do in Pennsylvania? We, the Titty Bar was pretty nice, in Pennsylvania. A place yeah. called Cheerleaders, and I believe I still have my lifetime pass there. Yeah, we got like we, our first tour. You want to talk about feeling like rock stars? Our first Titty Bar, first tour. Walk in, tell them we're in the band. Just VIP treatment, in for free. We didn't have to pay for nothing really, except drinks. But if you weren't drinking, it was free. Like this guy. That's what I was doing. But it was a pretty awesome strip club. Very nice ladies. Called cheerleaders, right? Wasn't yeah, that it? Cheerleaders. And the cool the, my favorite part about cheerleaders wasn't even the women. It was the fact that the women talked so much shit about the Pittsburgh Steeler players that came in there and how much <laughs> dickheads they were. And that makes me happy because I too hate the Pittsburgh Steelers. Fernie, who <laughs> is a fake Pittsburgh fan. Fake. <laughs> I just wanted to put that in there. We we support the Carolina Panthers around these parts. Madison, any reflections on the titty bar? I'm just not going to talk shit about Fernie because he has machetes. All right, then. So, so, you see, the Mexicans with machetes terrify our guitar player. Um, what the, oh, also in Pittsburgh, that was also where we played with that white supremacist band. Was it? Yep. I don't oh, remember yeah, yeah, yeah. the name of this band, and if I did, I don't want to tell them because they might kill me, but 
we played with this just racist band that they were all Nazi, and we had no idea we were booked with this band. And uh, the show, it, this was definitely one of the worst shows. Very cool venue, Thirty um, First Street Pub, maybe some some street pub in Pittsburgh, and it's a very very cool place. It's right across the street from Cheerleaders, and great place, great venue. Zero people, except for the white supremacist people and their girlfriends, and they wanted nothing to do with us, so their whole crowd stayed either outside or in the very, very back while we played. Like, two people watched us, and then they played to, you know, their three hateful fans. It was just a waste. It was it was terrible, and they, they just tried to intimidate us and walk around with their bald heads and then big combat boots and just be Nazi. It, it was pretty It was pretty lame. Pretty lame in my recall, recollection. Madison? Fuck them. (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty much how that went. That was a a nightmare of a show. Um, And I guess since we're talking about craziness, I don't know, this was before or after that, but we played somewhere in Fort Wayne, Indiana. What the hell was the name of that place? I don't remember the name of it, but it was an outlaw biker biker bar. bar. And we get there. Do you remember that guy's name? The Crazy Willie, I think. It's either Crazy Willie. He had some, literally, his name was Crazy Willie. He had his biker vest on. We get to this place. It's a hole in the wall, just in the ghetto, out of nowhere. And Crazy Willie is there, just drunk as shit in the middle of the afternoon. It's probably one, two in the afternoon. (laughs) Him. And so we go inside, and there's him and this bartender named Peanut with one tooth. A bald guy, wife beater, just total... I don't know, for lack of a better word, you know, tr- you know, redneck. redneck. I don't know, not to offend anyone because we're redneckish somewhat, but uh, yeah. Anyway, him and his his girlfriend who had a half shaven head, and there was a stripper pole in on stage, like actually where you play. There's a stripper pole, and it was just a very strange setup. So we had all these hours to spend there, and Peanut teaches us this this dice game. Remember, three's out. Mm. He taught us, to, <laughs> so we're sitting there gambling with the. The bartender who's taken our all our quarters in this game called Threes Out that he taught us and rigged probably. I was out back talking with Crazy Willie and he uh, mentioned how he had just gotten out of prison. This guy was like sixty some odd years old, and when they're that old, you can't really guess how many years he actually spent in prison. So I asked him what he did, and uh, the answer he gave me was, "Well, <laughs> well, this son of a bitch raped my daughter." So I blew his nuts off, and then I blew his head off. And he True was story. dead serious, looking straight at me. And the only thing I could think to say was, well, I really don't blame you there. Yeah, and from that moment on, Crazy Willie loved us as his own. Crazy was the man. Crazy Willie was the man. And I I, was, I think, was that where we invented Kick Bottle, or was that yeah, somewhere else? Yeah, where Mike invented Kick Bottle. Yeah, the, the drummer at the time, David, who was on the tour with us, and I were so bored one day that we invented a game called Kick Bottle, where you take a water bottle and or soda bottle, Gatorade, what have you, and fill it about a third of the way up with liquid, and then it's a combination of football, dodgeball, and baseball all in one. I won't get into the schematics or the rules because it's retarded and not recommended for play by anyone. But when you have hours and hours of boredom on tour, kick bottle is the way to go. play that show once again to 
six people, seven, eight, twelve, maybe, who knows. And then in the middle of the song, completely unprovoked or unannounced, half-shaved girl, head girl, comes and starts stripping or dancing on her pole or whatever. Uh, any thoughts on that one? I was, I was trying not to look at her. <laughs> My guitar solo was more important. <laughs> yeah, she, she wasn't fat and hideous. Let's just put it that way. She had many positive qualities like that. Um, but yeah, that, that's interesting to be playing and then all of a sudden the stripper make her presence known in your song. That was something. I had a bunch of technical problems on that tour. I had two guitars with me. I had a Randy Rhodes Jackson that would not stay in tune whatsoever. And I had a, um, a Kirk Hammond edition ESP that had some wiring problems. So either I was tuning my guitar most of the time or I couldn't be heard. <laughs> um, it's something that everywhere we went there was some bizarre happening or like the place another place in Pennsylvania we played before Pittsburgh remember we played at the bottom of a mortuary oh yeah I remember that yes we played in a funeral home (laughs) yeah there was a a, a venue and it was probably the nicest venue on the tour probably because it was in the bottom the basement of a funeral home so we go in there and as you go downstairs there's all these metal bouncers and a sweet setup it's giant it's like a ballroom almost and it had chandeliers and all these colors and the bar was long and super nice once again Maybe 20, 25 people total, but we did have someone out there to interview us and stuff, so there were some cool things, but it was just strange to play there. You know, you go upstairs, and there's all these old people walking around and watching old Clint Eastwood westerns everywhere, and it was just just nuts. And then downstairs, there's metal people rocking out and crazy. We actually played with a nice band from New York there. Remember them? Uh, High Tolerance, I think. Yeah. They were really good. They had a bunch of talented guys. That was a fun one where we had some good bands to play with. While we're on tour, three of our dates got canceled while we're already there. So we had a lot of time to just do nothing because everything kept falling apart. But, uh, you know, could have been done better. Let's say that. All right, on to Cranberry. Where the hell is it? Cranberry, Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania, yeah. Yeah, we get a hotel room, and uh, I had been drinking the night before, so I didn't feel very well. And uh, everybody else decided they wanted to drink, so I decided to take a shower. When I got in the shower, nobody had drunk anything, so everyone was purely sober. <laughs> About f- ten minutes into my shower, I, uh, I, <laughs> f- okay, five minutes into the shower, I hear the loudest sound I'd ever heard in my life right next to me. I thought someone had shot a shotgun in, <laughs> in our hotel room. So I get out of the shower, I put my towel on, I come out of the shower room, and I'm cussing and yelling, what the hell is going on? And I see Steven laying on the floor next to the bed, and I'll let Mike describe what happened there. Well, we had a fifth of Crown Royal and a big movie box of nerds, and we had a hair metal playlist going on the computer, playing some Shotgun Messiah, some Motley Crue, some old school hair metal, that's what Steven and I used to get wild and rowdy to. So... He and I literally drank the whole fifth of Crown in a matter of minutes. And I don't mean, you know, to 17 minutes. I mean, like, one to two minutes. And uh, I'm not a big drinker still to this day. I, you know, I'll have some from time to time. So two or three shots of liquor puts me over the limit of insanity. So that much Crown and that many nerds and that much hair metal and that little time, you know, to, or that much time to blow led to Steven and I thinking it's a great idea to get smashed, eat nerds, and jump on the bed back and forth and play tag team wrestling. And he's like, watch this. And he leaps from one bed to bed two 
straight into wall. <laughs> and that is what Madison Heard has the bang. A, you know, 185-pound person slamming as hard as he can into the wall after jumping from two beds. It was awesome. Big, giant crack in the wall, probably. There was a hole in the wall. Okay, hole in the wall. A body-sized hole. Yeah, I was trying to be good about it. So, yeah, we broke the fucking wall down. There's no way around it, really. (laughs) So I'm thinking, great. And, you know, obviously, I'm completely obliterated, and I don't even know where you went. You left somewhere. Did you go in the lobby or something, Madison? You weren't around us. I didn't see you the rest of the night. I was probably walking through the hallways (laughs) in my towel. Yeah, he left because he was really pissed off at us, and uh, Steven and I just spent the rest of the evening rambling and, and... drunkenly stumbling everywhere and uh i apparently in my stupor went down to the front desk and flirted with the girl that ran the place and pleaded our case about how we were just a poor traveling rock band and we couldn't afford to pay the, to fix the wall and we were so sorry and it wasn't our fault i don't i have no i, I don't remember what i said to the girl but i come down in the morning and madison's like well we got to go deal with this so let's go and just get it over with so i go down and i'm like look have this issue where we kind of broke this wall. She's like, I know. You told me last night. I was like, oh. So then I was terrified because I figured <laughs> I really screwed myself. And she's like, it's all good. I got this guy who's going to come fix it. And so he takes us upstairs to look at it, and he charged us, what, like 10 bucks? No, yeah, it was And 10, we threw him we, 20 because we, we were happy. 30. Yeah, yeah he, he was only going to charge us literally the material to fix the hole in the wall, not any labor or anything else. It was pretty sweet. We definitely dodged a bullet so that we could break down our wall and feel like real rock stars like Motley Crue. So that was pretty cool. That was our Joe Walsh moment. Yeah, just slam. You know, we, we're not rich enough yet to break the full hotel room, so we go to you know break one thing at a time. Each hotel room we go to the small and try to hide it in the drawer with the Mormon Bible. Yep. Yeah, that about sums up the tour. I mean, there was just so many wild stories and just moments because you have so much time to kill. We we took bikes and rode around in all the cities, so exploring was great. And we're definitely looking forward to doing more traveling and playing. It's just so much fun to do it. The only other two things that I can really recall that stand out was one in Philadelphia, the parking is just atrocious and nightmarish and everything about it is terrible and horrible and not great. But we did have a great show there at the Kyber Club. That was probably my second favorite show of the tour. Mm-hmm. The Kyber Club, great place, great crowd. They love the metal. So that was fun. Oh, we got to hang out with the uh, Girls Going Wild. Oh, hell night. yeah. See, look at that. Memory Lane. They were uh, filming two doors down, Girls Gone Wild in Philadelphia the same night we played. And we totally got in free being in the band, snuck in there and watched a bunch of girls drunk, naked, touching each other. That was pretty fun. And then um, the last thing I remember is our last date was in Connecticut, Stanford, Connecticut, at this place. Cool venue. And we actually, even though there wasn't a giant crowd, we sold the most merch there. We made a few hundred dollars in merch sales there, which was really awesome. Then we tear down the place. Oh, that was also with my friends Carlos and Linda. What's up? Shout out. And then... We type in the GPS, last date of the tour, going home, type in, you know, home, Charlotte, my address, whatever, and the damn GPS says it was exactly 666 miles from last show to home. So, we figure the job was well done, I guess. Or we were all going to die on the way. Something. You know, we we think positive, so the metal gods uh, approve, I guess. But uh, it was fun. We'll do it again in a heartbeat and can't wait to do it with these guys sitting here in this room with us. That's for sure. We will not go to Philadelphia.
year ago, it was in May 2012, our second album came out. And if I may say so myself, or Mike may say so himself, excuse me, it, uh, it's a huge step forward for the band as far as music, quality, um, and production. And production. We spent many thousands of dollars on this project. Rob Tavaglion produced and recorded it again. At Catalyst. At Catalyst in Charlotte. It was mixed by Mike Spritzer of Devil Driver, and it was mastered by Jeff Waters from Annihilator. Uh, and both of those guys did an excellent job. Fantastic work. Yeah, we're very pleased. Like, it's the first time, at least, sorry to interrupt, but my first time being you know, a th- you know, super duper happy with how everything turned out and, and loving the product to where I want to listen to it over and over again. It was something we hadn't had before. Right. As Brennan says, you know, we, we, we just, we learned a lot. We took a lot of bumps our first couple of uh, recording experiences because we were so young and we didn't know what the hell we were doing. We were just eager to do it. So we didn't do our due diligence and homework and it ended up kind of getting us. But it also taught us a lot. And I think we used those lessons on our last recording, yeah. which I will say kudos to Madison for doing the bulk of uh, the, the most bulk of recording because I hate the studio and do not like to do that shit so <laughs> I appreciate him very much for that yeah it was very meticulous so, yeah. every single song I tabbed out myself in Guitar Pro I made the tempo maps and all that crap so we made sure we wanted it done how we wanted it and we did it that way Right, and I guess as far as uh, what's next for the band, um, you know, we just got Fernie here with us. He's our newest member, and this is actually, we're recording this the day of our first full practice with some of the new songs and everything, and um, what's next is getting this album heard by more people and touring and playing a lot of shows, and our ultimate, ultimate goal is to do successful, awesome tours in Europe and South America. I mean, we just need to get to where people love the metal more. It's not enough Diehard metal fans here in America for a, a little thrash band like us, we gotta we gotta take it over. Where take the, the we can grow. damn world over, man. You know, one, one shithole dive bar at a time. <laughs> what about you guys? Anyone else got a, any? What's next for us? What about you, Fernie? You're new. What's next for us? Let's conquer the world, especially Mexico. Mexico, where are we going? <laughs> here we going go, Mexico. <laughs> but that, that's it. We just want to spread our message and. Uh, we're, Madison and I have already began the skeletons for the next whatever, what have you. You know, the music's changing so much. We don't know if it'll be an album or a bunch of stupid downloads, but whatever it is, there's going to be new somethings. And uh, we're just excited to keep growing as writers and keep playing as many places as we can and, and melting some damn faces. That's all I want to do. Did yeah. you just uh, say where we, they could learn about our music? Uh, oh, so yeah, I did not just say. Would you like to tell them sure. where they can learn about our music, Brendan? Sure, yes. Uh, well, you know, Facebook's out there. We're on Facebook. Facebook's right? actually Final Dot Curse, and Reverb Nation is Slash Final Curse. As far as purchasing our music, which is a great thing, you need to do that at cdbaby.com, and you can also pay for downloads on our Reverb Nation page, and a portion of all those sales go to a charity, so there's another great reason to support that, everyone, that should buy us singles. Give us some um, money. iTunes <laughs> and Pandora. Amazon. Amazon. So you just name it. It's just it's just there. YouTube. Final-curse.com is being built as we speak. It will have a web store very soon where you can purchase all our merch and everything. So, yeah, just Google us. CD Baby us. Reverb Nation us. You know, say hello to us on Facebook. We will definitely respond to everything we get. You know, we don't, you know, no one likes us. We don't have any friends. We'll, we'll talk to you. Come say hello to us. Interact with us. You know, get a t-shirt. We'll send you goodies. Whatever. Just thank you, thank you, thank you, and please, please spread the word. Just, uh, you know, donate to the poor three gringos and a Mexican band, please. Yeah. 
Uh, spread the word. Spread the word. Final That's curse. It. Final curse. One hundred percent no bullshit thrash metal from Charlotte, North Carolina. Cien por ciento música no mierda puro metal. Seriously, thanks guys, and we hope to see you on the road soon. Special thanks to Final Curse for that story of life on the road. We're going to leave you with one more song by Final Curse. This one entitled, Is There No Hope? Off The Way of the Accursed. Available on CD Baby and Amazon and many other online record retailers. Check out the band. I really liked it. Uh, I'm a big fan of Prong and a big fan of the band Dead Horse. And I've connected to this band through those two other bands. Thanks for checking out Music Live Radio. I'm your host, Dan Sauter, and we'll catch you next time.
Just kidding about the uh, killing the other band. Yeah, thing d- disclaimer: thing. No one will be murdered due to this interview. Interview report. Okay. Be after. Afterwards. This, this book report. <laughs> <laughs>